2: Yes, it does. Thank you. And live from the NASDAQ market side, overlooking New York's world-famous Times Square, this is Fast. Welcome, everybody. I'm Brian Sullivan. In once again, for Melissa and your traders on the desk tonight are Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami tonight on Fast. Stocks surging to another set of record highs. But if you think we've come too far too fast, we're going to break out your pullback playbook. Plus, check out Bitcoin. Up more than 20% in 2020. So what's behind the big move, BK? We're going to get some answers later on. Pete Najarian joins us from the home of the Twins with a fast pitch. What has got Pete so excited about this mystery name? We get a Minneapolis appearance from Pete. Look forward to that. But we've got to begin with this. Big breaking news in retail, The Gap. Scrapping plans to spin off Old Navy. Shares are jumping on the news. Let's get right now to Courtney Reagan with the breaking details. Courtney.
3: Hi, Brian. So Gap, Inc. is reversing its decision to spin out Old Navy into its own publicly traded company. It's also increasing its guidance for the full year and giving us some leadership updates. And a pretty surprise announcement just in the last hour. So shares popping after hours on the news. They were higher by almost 11 percent pulled back a bit here but just two months ago gap inc announced that ceo art pick was out and at that time the company said that old navy spinoff was still going to happen the separation was first announced at the end of february 2019 interim ceo robert fisher said quote while the objectives of the separation remain relevant our board of directors has concluded the cost and complexity of splitting into two co- companies combined with softer business performance, limited our ability to create appropriate value from the separation. Gap Inc. now expecting fiscal full-year sales and comps to come in at the higher end of the previous guidance range. Earnings they now think will come above what they had guided to because of better promotional levels during the holiday season, especially at Old Navy. Gap Inc. is, though, still looking for a new CEO. And then in the meantime, this current CEO of Banana Republic, Mark Breitbart, will lead Gap, Banana, Athleta, and the other specialty brands, so as a group, and then Sonia Singal will continue to lead Old Navy. Current Gap brand CEO Neil Fisk, he's leaving. So still a lot of moving parts in this surprise announcement, Brian, but uh, no longer separating out into two publicly traded companies, just one under Gap, Inc.
2: Yeah, Courtney Reagan, big big news there. Thank you very much, Courtney Reagan. I mean, guys, let's trade this, okay, because here's the thing. The stock is popping after hours, but let's not get crazy. This was a $40 stock five years ago. They're, they're looking for a CEO. Is anybody changing their view on Gap because of this move?
4: Well, I, I tell you what, it's interesting because... February 28, 2019, when they announced they were going to spin it off, the stock went up 25 percent. Tonight, when they announced that they're not going to spin it off, the stock's rallying up, <laughs> up to the floor. So I, I want to do this. This is a great strategy if you're a corporate officer. Look, bottom line here is Gap has some structural issues. They certainly have some brand issues, but they also have some core, uh, I think, value and intrinsic value to those brands, of which maybe uh, the point is, especially when you're upsizing your guidance, you're actually thinking that this is the wrong time to actually be selling assets, which doesn't mean they're selling them. But again, this is a case where breaking apart some of the parts was supposed to be better. But right now, those assets might not be. And
5: you have valued. some synergies and you have some scale. So I guess to the point now is that maybe they think they're better. They have a somewhat challenged businesses going forward. And if they at least can hold on to some scale while it's troughing, obviously, that was the board's all they're do, all, Hold on. All they're doing is staying the same, right?
2: nothing has changed they were going to change
6: right but when they were going to change maybe
2: they they didn't realize they're not going to get any value from this
6: well i think they also realized the stock went from thirty two dollars to eighteen in the meantime so it's not as valuable as it used to be so uh, you know you think about if you're a board of directors when it's thirty two dollars and it goes up twenty five percent in a day you're screaming saying this is a fantastic idea and then because of all the challenges that everybody has mentioned here over the next year your stock gets cut in half Clearly, the market is saying there isn't value in breaking up. My, I mean, you look at Old Navy; it's the only thing. It's the gem of what they right, have. Right, but the, so the whole idea else, about
5: valuation—that was the original thought. That yeah. that w- it was the gem, and the overall was it, that valuation was getting pulled down by the uh, the other asset that wasn't really an asset right so at this point i they feel that the business is challenged at least you hold on to some synergies you have some scale while you navigate the issues that have plagued the entire retail space good luck with that
4: which are closing down on profitable stores and i think gaps already gone through some restructuring that i think has been very healthy so it's not as if they're just coming on this and saying hey we don't really know what we're doing let's break it up let's put it back together Um, the fact that the management team is reasserting themselves although they're going to get the the ceo to lead this thing Right now, they're telling you your business is better than you thought it was yesterday.
7: Yeah, I think that's the point. But you've seen bounces in really beaten up names whose business models are flawed, if not broken. I mean, Macy's went from 15 to 18 and a half, pretty much in a straight line. It doesn't seem like a lot. Percentage-wise, it's significant. I think to BK's point, this stock, go back and just look back in April. It went from 26, basically, to 15 and a half in a very quick fashion. I'm not thinking we're getting back to 26, but, you know, Steve talks about this. 11% short interest, people are going to cover. I think you're looking more for a place to sell it again rather than to try to buy it on this move. So, listen, over the last five years, every time you get a bounce of this magnitude, it's been a selling opportunity. I'm not certain that this isn't exactly the same as before.
2: Okay, the gap certainly going to be a big story tomorrow. Right now, moving up about 6%. Moving on, we have a new member of an extremely exclusive club. Google parent company Alphabet closing the day just above the $1 trillion market cap mark. It is only the fourth U.S. company to hit that major milestone. Alphabet's been off to a great start this year, up 8% in 2020. Tim Seymour, does that number, with all those commas, matter? And where do you think the stock is headed from
4: It now? used to, didn't it? But now that there's just, you know, trillion-dollar companies are a dime a dozen these days um, <laughs> in this market. Um, I, I think it... it It means something. It's a big round number. It used to be something you had to test for a while before you actually could break on through. Um, I think the good news around Google is that this is a company that I, I, I think, first of all, their core business, which used to be seen on some level as something that was yesterday's business and they needed to figure out tomorrow and it was slowly slipping. Their core business is a cash cow. It's an annuity that they're being rewarded for. And people recognize that actually they're not losing any ground, that the sum of the parts here, including YouTube, which is undervalued, is very positive and that the regulatory concerns, while they are a headwind, and knock the stock back down on June 6th no longer appear to be something that the company is fighting every day. Why do you
2: say it's undervalued? We don't know the value
4: of YouTube, really, do we? I mean, they don't break it out. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I think about their, their, their eyeballs, their sales, and I think about where they're valuing that as a sum of the parts, at least to this point. And, and I think this is arguably one of the largest media machines in the business
5: that, that frankly, is probably... That has been watch. perceived as the crown jewel, in Google, within Google. But I think it's better that Apple now... I saw a headline the other day. We're talking about $2 trillion in market cap with Apple. So I think it's better that other companies have gotten there first. I think it takes the weight off it. But I think the important thing is the antitrust seems to be a distant memory. It just happened, and that was the major headwind. And now with so much going on, I feel like everyone has forgotten about it, and now people are starting to test the waters again. No, Karen's not here. This is her biggest holder.
7: She talks about it a lot. I do think it's 26 times next year's numbers. It's, it's relatively cheap, given everything, given the growth they've seen. A couple of analysts have upgraded it recently. I think Bernstein put a $1,600 price target on it earlier this month. Evercore the same. And I think into earnings on February 3rd, and we've been pretty steadfast in this. I think this is a name you want to continue to earn, especially in the environment that we find ourselves right now with the broader market. Well,
6: I think that's the key part, right? This is benefiting from what's going on in the broader market. So you're seeing people come into this market saying, you know what? We have the trade war out of the way. There's some kind of truce going on. The economy looks like it's going to be okay for some period of time. So they're reaching for things. They're reaching for where there's growth. And and Alphabet, with all the levers that it can pull, has that growth you look at and, and the other strange thing is people are reaching for yield in the utilities as well so i think that whole push is just helping everything here
2: and by the way the high price target on the street 1735 mm. for mm. alphabet from deutsche bank research they still see meaningful upside karen Feynman, by the way if you're out there congratulations it's been a great call stock soaring all right check out the monster move today from morgan stanley the big bank topping the tape, having its best day in nearly three years after reporting a blowout quarter, posted record profit, revenues. It raised guidance, stock hitting its highest level in two years. Not at an all-time high, guys. So, Guy, yes, sir. is Morgan Stanley with the big move today, but still not at its all-time high, maybe the big bank to
7: bet on? No, I don't think so. Well, I mean, it's obviously has been a bank to bet on. I don't think necessarily it is now. You've had a pretty big move out of Morgan Stanley over the last year and then you look at Citibank for example which just said their book value, I think, is around $80, $81. If you go back and look, every time City trades right around book, it's been an opportunity to sell. So, in my opinion, these banks are getting ahead of themselves in terms of historic price-to-book levels. The one bank we have mentioned a lot that's been doing extraordinarily well, I'm not, it's not necessarily a bank, but look at what Blackstone has done over the last six to nine months. Trading as if something's going on, continues to go seemingly higher every day, making a new high every day. If you want to be somewhere, I'd rather be in Blackstone Stone still than in Morgan. I think what
5: what really took people by surprise is FIC trading, obviously, up 125%. That was the best in the group. And seasonally, between the third and fourth quarter, usually have FIC trading be down. So that surprised everything. But I think assets assets growing by 19%, wealth management up by 11%, share buybacks, they've been buying back shares, 6% reduction in share count. So I think all these things, head fake. I think you sell it on this pop. You sell it on this pop. BK, I want
2: to ask you about BX Black yeah. Blackstone. Mm-hmm. The guy's point up eighty four percent in twelve months. An Black. asset collector, a private equity firm.
6: Right. Well, but but the, why that, is it
2: up eighty four percent in a
6: year? Because they the they are the ones that are growing. Money is free. There's money coming in. Look at what Blackstone has done. BlackRock has done. And I'd even argue the Mark Morgan Stanley with their wealth management division. That's the difference between them and somebody like a Citibank. This is all part and parcel to this mom and pop phase of the market. You're looking at a ton of money coming in. Whatever that money on the sidelines, people talked about apparently it's coming into the market now through
4: all these channels. Yeah, look, Blackstone is the top of the food chain, in my view, in terms of alternative asset management, in terms of both size, sophistication, and where they sit. With money free, with their ability to get exits out the door, with their ability to make new investments, um, this is a great environment. Credit spreads are very tight relative to at least where people thought they were going to be. So that's that's the environment we're in. That can change very quickly if you start to sense some, some credit. And if you remember Blackstone back going through the crisis, obviously a lot of Exposure when illiquidity pops up. Steve brought up on Morgan Stanley. The, I think the most important thing is that billion and a half in buybacks. These guys continue to bring capital back as they've had their fourth consecutive ten billion plus revenue quarter.
2: Yeah, and a pretty heady three point two percent dividend yield on Blackstone, which is BX. Guy, we're watching
7: it. Real right. quick, and the Morgan. I know we got to go to break. I get. It. I got people in my ear. I get break, 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 break. But go back <laughs> to March of 2018. See where Morgan Stanley topped out at, right and us see this right here.
5: Right at switching here. Doing. Break up. Break. 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 Oh, <laughs> <Well>, it's broken.
2: <laughs> coming up, railroad giant CSX plunging after reporting earnings. We're going to break down the numbers with Seema Modi coming up. And Comcast jumping on the streaming bandwagon with the launch of RP Cochran and bringing the late-breaking details there. And, of course, you can always watch us live while you're on the go, as long as you got a phone or a computer. Check out the CNBC app, download it today, and we're back right after this. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. We have an earnings alert on CSX, the train company in the red reporting results, but off its after hours lows. That about 2.5%. Let's find out exactly what CSX reported the quarter. Seema Modi. Has more, Simo.
9: Hey Brian, shares of CSX, as you just point out, slipping in extended trade. The CEO of CSX, uh, James Foote, on the earnings call, blaming the, quote, softer industrial economy. The railroad operators' revenue decreasing 8% year over year in the fourth quarter, dri- driven by a double-digit decline in the export of coal. Now, weak volumes comes as the coal industry has been under pressure in the face of lower-cost natural gas and concerns over emissions, pushing utilities to retire a number of coal plants in the U.S. and seek cheaper renewable power alternatives. Now, analysts say the key thing to watch in 2020 will be the industry-wide effort to implement precision-scheduled railroading to improve operating efficiency and lower costs. And the big question is whether the improving trade story with Mexico and China leads to a rebound in railroad traffic, but... Even with those trade tensions easing, CSX says it took industrial activity a while to cool off, and it will take a while to heat back up. And based on this, CSX expects full-year revenue to be flat to down 2% in 2020, stock down 2.4%. Brian, back to you.
2: All right, Seema, thank you very much. Listen, CSX, you look at a 10-year chart, it looks great. It's gone from 14 to 75, BK. Here's the problem. It's made investors no money the last two years, been stuck right at that $75. Limit. Yeah,
6: and, and you know, there's two things going on here, right? It's part of the trade war that we had, but also the fact that natural gas is so low mm-hmm. that natural gas is effectively free, which it which hurts the coal industry, the export coal, which they are very sensitive to. So typically, you might look at this and say, all right, you know what, a rail warned, that's going to be bad news for the market because people are going to think the economy is going weaker. I don't think that's the case here. I think that's... This is somewhat specific to CSX because they're so exposed to coal, and so I think the market as a whole is likely to shrug this off.
7: In terms of valuation, CSX is probably the cheapest out of CSX, UNP, Northrop Gras, NSC, Trades around 16 and a half 17. But that was before this guide. Now with this guide, it's probably in line with the rest of them in terms of valuation. So in April, we topped out at 80 bucks. We had a big move to the downside. We're right back to 80 again. And it's seemingly failing. I think you wait here. I think that's what BK is saying. I, I'm not certain it's CSX specific, think, but I, I don't think you have to buy it I don't it think here.
5: any of these charts, when I look at these charts, when you, when you hear this, and then you go back and you look at the charts, I don't think any of these charts... Look bad at all. I mean, UNP, am, am I right looking at it? It's an all time high, mm-hmm. UNP. So for me, I'll, would you rather myself oh, I like here? I would rather go with the winner that's right. been in here, UNP. And for all the reasons that we see, uh, this one is weak, CSX is weak, If for coal, closing the plants, the nat gas. Yep. But I would think that the trade deal somehow, some way helps the entire space and helps a lot more when we start talking about trade on the macro front. I think that CSX will probably just be fine, but UMP is at all-time highs. I tell you
2: what hasn't done well. You look at the companies that make the actual trains, Rail Car, Freight Car America, and Greenbrier. Freight Car America, rail is the ticker, RAIL. Stock's down 75%. Greenbrier's down 32% any reason to go bottom fishing in the manufacturing side of this? No, not for me. No,
6: no. I I mean, I think you've got maybe one little sugar high in the economy after this kind of trade truce, and so why do you want to go out and buy products that take a long time to build and there's a long sales cycle
4: and they sit around for a long time? I don't want to touch them. I'll say this, if you look at the transports overall as a group, uh, the airlines have performed, but actually the rails have been certainly uh, a, a strong part of that. These numbers by CSX, there's nothing special in there the beat came essentially from cost savings 60 basis points and because the coal vines were not as bad as expected people feel a little bit better but that's not a reason to buy the stock now okay there you go
2: all right switching gears morgan stanley tried to pump the brakes on tesla's big rally analyst there adam jonas cutting his rating on the stock to an underweight fancy word for sell he cites valuation concerns primarily calls it an unfavorable risk reward profile as well as fears over china on top of that we got news that new Tesla registrations in California dropped nearly 50 percent last quarter, and rounding out the Tesla trifecta, the company has reclaimed the mantle as the most heavily shorted stock mm. in the market. It finished the day in the red, but not much. Guy Adami, what's your take on the price action? Tesla almost made it back to the green. Stock was down
7: less than one percent on the back of a downgrade, having gone from 170 this summer to current levels. I mean, that to me is all you need to know. Again, I'm not pretending I've been right. I have not been right. But when a stock can't move on something like that with somebody who's as significant in the space, it's probably telling you something. Now, again. I've thought it's over at Skis for a while now. Obviously, Mr. Jonas does as well. Maybe at some point that matters. It doesn't seem to now. He actually
2: raised his price but, target, but it's still well below. The one thing I'll say about the registration story, we had Phil LeBeau on the exchange today, Tim, or er, at 1 o'clock, and Phil made a great point. He said, just because California registrations are down, don't extrapolate that because maybe they just shipped a bunch of cars to other states. So you got to just know that's only California. I don't know. I
4: don't know that it's a zero-sum game. I mean, the assumption is that that's I, – I, I don't know enough about the registration process, but um, Adam Jonas does a great job. We've had the debate with him whether this is an auto company or. But to say that the valuation is now just getting a little bit frothy is to me for people who know, I've also been on the wrong side of this trade, but I, I don't think this valuation made sense for three hundred dollars. So I think you have a place here where uh, on risk reward, I, I you, look January 28th, they're going to tell you where they came in in terms of earnings. I want to see what the balance sheet looks like. I want to see it free cash flow. Can they duplicate and the rabbit they pulled out of the hat last quarter? If they can, something has changed and something very different is going on. And I'm not would, sure what that would be yeah. overnight.
2: Obviously, Tim and Guy know your position, Steve or BK. Would you allocate any new money to into Tesla, Tesla on the buy now, side uh, right now on the buy
5: side? Yes. The, the, what the biggest problem that you have for the shorts is that this has a very high short interest here. Well, it's super. And it super stopped, first off, right, if, you tried to short te- if you tried to short Tesla now. Probably impossible. But that's the reason why you, you can't at this point, even though it's so bloated in value. And, and, and for me, on technicals, I saw of popping on, on uh, over, over allotments, basically, on over retracements to a $500 handle. I can't say you would put new money to work at a $511 stock. But with an 18% to 20% short interest, I wouldn't want to this you. Is I this. think you can for a trade, though. I think you can for a trade, and by a trade,
6: I mean the next week or so. When you have bad news and good price action, that means the trend isn't over yet. So for a trade... They've been very clear about that. You can buy it here. It goes 10% higher. You flip out of it. BK putting a buy rating on t- I'm kidding. Yeah.
4: <laughs> this is why you have options, though, too. I-, I think you can define your risk here. That is certainly how I'm playing it at this point. And I-, and I think there's no reason to be flat short the stock, especially at those borrowing costs. You can make an argument that that's in the implied volume, the options, but that's a better place to be.
2: I would love to know the borrowing costs on Tesla. Mm. If, you- if you tried yeah, to I- short the stock right now, A, I'd- I wonder if you could even find it, if you could locate it. And what are the borrowing costs on that?
7: Well, you've put it out there now to our audience and if you follow the twitter which i am on i'm sure somebody will answer that question in our next commercial break which oh, they if, love talking about they love right after this
2: i muted the word tesla i muted oh, the ticker boy. i muted guy <laughs> oh, i muted the whole thing all right for more on the oh, tesla boy. triple play you can head over to our website cnbc.com we look forward to hearing from you all you teslarians still ahead stocks closing at record highs but if you're getting a little nervous We have some protection plays for you. Why not take out a little insurance maybe on this market, some stock picks as well. Plus, Bitcoin off to a great start for the year 20 in 2020. What's driving the surge? We're going to get some answers. Stay right here. Fast Money is back right after this.
6: Hi, I'm Ben.
8: your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth including 401k and other investments a comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors and it's how yahoo finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety for comprehensive financial news and analysis visit the brand behind every great investor yahoo finance.com the number one financial destination yahoo finance.com that's yahoo all
2: right welcome back to fast money stocks you might have heard Hitting record highs today, yesterday, the day before that. But many investors are starting to get a little bit nervous. So if you think a pullback may be coming, your next guest has some names you might want to consider. Fun straps. Rob Slimers over at the Plasma to chart them up. Rob, take it away. Give us a little pullback
1: protection. All right, Brian. So let's take a look at the market as a starting point because of the key point we want to maintain perspective on the market. It certainly looks like it's due for a little bit of a pullback at some point here. We've been targeting the middle of February as we start getting into the election primaries and we start getting concerns about the Fed balance sheet coming to the fore. But the bigger pattern, again, is this bigger market cycle that we see underway, and we still think that cycle has more upside through 2020. So that's a very key long-term point. Now, when we look at momentum indicators like this RSI indicator on a weekly basis for the S&P, it's obviously starting to get up there. It just moved through 75. It doesn't happen that often. There's about 60 times. I mean, that's a fairly big number, actually, going back to the 1950s. But here's the, here's the rub. 75% of those times, the market continued higher for another 10 weeks at least. Now, the percentages weren't huge; There were 2 to 3%. So there's maybe not a ton of upside here, but it doesn't mean the market's just about to peak. But it does tell you we're starting to get into levels where we want to be a little bit more concerned. So having said that... A lot of stocks have run a long way. Microsoft and Apple are, are, are really starting to get quite extended here and not really timely new ideas to be putting new capital to work. So let's take a look at the staples. Now, Constellation Brands has a lot of hair on it. It's a very controversial stock. But what I like about it is it's come right back to this 200-week moving average. That's always my favorite long-term support level. And it's starting to turn. And it's been such a big laggard that if you get any kind of pullback in the high-momentum growth stocks, I think the stock could outperform and actually attract some capital. So that's one. It tends to be more defensive. Now, The next two are arguably not defensive names. They're not staples. They're not utilities. They're actually economy-sensitive names. They're cyclicals. But Cisco has been hit very hard, and it's just starting to bottom. So going into earnings, my sense is this stock doesn't have a lot of downside. It's just starting to hook up. It's right around that 200-week moving average and into all that big band of support, sort of between that $45, $46, $50 range. And the relative performance versus the market has been horrible, but it's just starting to hook up. So, I think you could take some of your extended leaders and put some capital here. And the last name in the mid-cap space is National Instruments, NATI, N-A-T-I. Now, it's a semiconductor. The semiconductors have run a long way, but this one hasn't. And what I again like about it, it's right at that 200-week, that long-term support level. Big, long base. It's just starting to reverse that two-year downtrend and it's just starting to hook up. So, the expectations in this stock look pretty low to me. And I think you can make some decent money here, going through earnings season into the second quarter. So those are my three ideas that I think make a lot of sense over the next number of weeks here.
2: All right, I like it. we got beer, networking gear, and semiconductors. Rob, why don't you come on over here, Tim? I'm going to start with you. Yes, let's do that. Constellation Brands, we've talked about it right in your wheelhouse. You've got to like Rob.
4: I do like Rob's play. I think the chart is, is interesting. I'll talk about the fundamentals because Rob did a great job on the chart. If you look at their beer sales, they're one of the few players that's actually growing their beer sales. They're growing 7%. We just got numbers. The profitability on that's growing 8 to 9%. So, uh, they've done some interesting assets along with some divestitures in Gallo. This is a name that I think you like. Bill Newlands, uh, I-, I think is making the right moves in this company and they've made a transition with management. It's very good. Oh, by the way, uh, Canopy growth only 75% off the lows in the last, You know, two two months roughly. So very interesting for them as well. So I wanted to ask Rob about
6: the chart. You had a 200-week moving average and a 200-week RSI on the S and P 500.
1: It it was a 14-period RSI on a weekly chart. Okay. So for what the folks at home, if that, that does really top works. out, well,
6: no, what I'm curious about, if that does top out, if it's happened
1: 60 times or something, yeah. how long is that kind of prolonged, let's call it a correction? Well, the, the, the issue with these momentum indicators in strong trending markets, momentum can continue to build and even flatten out. So they're not actually very good indicators. That was really the point I was trying to make, that in 60 uh, events of that RSI crossing up through 75, you didn't really get a lot of downside for at least 10 weeks. In fact, they extended out over 20 weeks, you don't get a lot of downside. So you want to be very careful with indicators arguing that things are overbought. So you hear a lot of that recently. They work right? them off
5: quick or they can flatten out. They so can that, flatten out, they so can
1: unwind, they basically rate of change indicator. So I would be very careful relying on that single indicator. We don't really see a lot of price decay yet. Rob, can
5: I, can I extend sure. on Tim's point when he was talk, talked about canopy growth? When you look at the whole space, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to put you on the spot, but I'm right. talking longer to give you time to rethink something. So when you look at the cannabis space and you look at all those, all the groups, and Tim talks about uh, canopy popping 75% yeah. off the bottom. Every day you come in, it looks like this, the space is getting constructive yet again, and then you have your legs taken out from you two days later. Right. It seems to me that they're really starting to get some momentum behind some of these names. Have you looked at them yes. and, 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 and come to a conclusion? Yes, and look, you
1: know, Canopy Growth is a, a perfect example of a stock that looks like it's trying to bottom. It's probably one of the better-looking chart profiles out there. But the group has been decimated. It reminds me very much of what energy did, right? Energy just got slaughtered, and it took a long time for those long-term trends to reverse. So you want to be somewhat careful, buying stocks are just popping in downtrends. These are, these are counter-trend rallies, so it's still pretty early to be making a case this is a whole new cyclical bull market. But I do think when you look at these things on a longer-term basis, there's money to be made, especially if you get pullbacks here and they start to hold. So I think they look constructive.
2: Is, if you had to pick, Rob, because, like Grasso, so I don't want to put you on the spot. but, I'm but put, put me on the spot. Talk <laughs> if you had to pick one of those charts, which you thought looked the best,
1: Oh, I think National uh, Instruments, Natty, Natty looks wow. tremendous. I know it's cyclical, and I know there's risks there in the semiconductor. but that's a sweet chart. Yeah, I, if, and a name.
2: I, you guys are here all the time. I'm just filling in for Melissa. I, I don't think you've ever talked about National
1: Instruments, no. not on purpose, Natty, because it hasn't done anything in two years. Right? It's just been a big, <laughs> big trader. It looks pretty sweet to me.
2: It really does. You think there's really some some positive yes. price action
1: on that? Name? Yes, I do. In fact, if you look at the uh, more economy sensitive semis, like and, and some of the. Um, uh, electronic component manufacturers like TEL uh, and Cognex. These stocks have been dead, but they're starting to come back. I think they're really timely.
2: Hmm. All right, good stuff there. By the way, if you're just joining us, Rob's pullback playbook was three charts he liked Constellation, Cisco, and Natty, not Natty, Natty. Bo. Not Natty, Natty Bo, Bo, that, Bo, 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 that would be National Bohemian. National Bo, Bo, Instruments, yes, N A T I. Rob, thank you very much. Thank you. Great stuff. All right, coming up. Bitcoin on a roll this year. BK is going to break down what's behind the 20% move in 2020. Plus, another look at today's mystery chart. Why well, one of our traders says this stock will be a total grand slam. That's right. We have a fast pitch on deck from Minneapolis. Come on. Pete, Nigerian. Pete Pete dug out the snow. He's going to join us here on Fast Money. Stick around. All right. Welcome back. Bitcoin bouncing back in 2020 after a painful second half to last year, we've got a 21% up move year to date. Making this Bitcoin's best start to any year since all the way back in 2012.
6: Remember that year? I Mm, do. Back when it was a baby. That's right. We've got our
2: resident Bitcoin bull, BK, here to break down this for us. BK, what is boosting Bitcoin right now? And there's a lot of alliteration going on. There really
6: is. So the the big thing that's happening in Bitcoin, the big catalyst this year, is what's called the halving. So the daily supply is going to get cut in half. So right now, 1,800 Bitcoin are produced every single day. In May, that's going to get cut in half to 900 Bitcoin. This has happened several times, and 2012 was one of those times that you get this having. So people are starting to price that in. It's been hard to price in because it's so volatile, but as we get closer to May, I suspect you're going to have more and more people pricing in this supply cut.
2: All right, watching the having, yes. BK, thank you very much. Well, B- Bitcoin certainly has had a nice recent run. What else might be ready for a big-time breakout? It is time now for a, fa- a remote fast pitch. Pete Najarian, good to see you, buddy. Joining us from Minneapolis with the one name that he says could be a total home run. Take it away, Pete.
10: Well, the name that I'm looking at is PayPal, and I'm going to talk about, first of all, why that is and what are some of the key points, in my opinion. I think the main points, Ryan, are when you start off with the CEO who's been there since the time before they split from eBay, I think you've got a guy who's got a lot of experience, but he got his experience at American Express. He was in charge of the global strategy. So he's a guy that I think is the right person at the right time to continue to move this stock to the upside. And I'll tell you what, the fundamental story right now is there. When you look at what they've got going on, they've got a company that they got consistent cash flow. They've got great net cash, as a matter of fact, over $5 billion. This is a company that just continues also 300 million users that continues to grow as well. So consistency and growth there on the fundamental side. And when we talk about growth, I really have to express to you the idea of revenue growth, which is very strong, but also that earnings growth. The earnings growth has continued now for multiple years and the projections out for Five years are about 18% annually so when you look at the PE take that into uh, at, le- at least you have to take some uh, uh, th- something away when you look at that right now at 18% annually that's a monstrous number and why is that because the projected gross sales are gonna are looking at right now to double we're talking about by 2023 nearly seven trillion dollars right now eBay or excuse me PayPal has about 20% of that market so when you you piece all this together the stocks up and trading about 115 right now it's traded as high as 120 back in july i think it can break through that level and then i think the sky is the limit because of the fact that venmo and all the other areas the verticals that they've got they can continue to pull on those i think this is a stock that has plenty of room to the upside it may look expensive but it's really not anybody have a question
5: for pete on paypal So, Pete, when you look at Venmo, they have 40 million active users right now. They're not profitable, but that is the growth engine that everyone points to. So Mm -hmm. how do you start gauging that? Venmo has become a verb, basically, and everyone I know would rather be paid on Venmo than any other uh, outlet that you can use. How do you start thinking about that? When do you think it becomes profitable in your research? It's got to get, it's got, it's
10: something that I think is going to happen in the very near future, Steve. And when you talk about the volume, that volume growth that they've got right now with Venmo is at about 65%. So that's incredible right now. I think they've got to show all of us a little bit better monetization process. There's no doubt about that. And I think that they will. This is also a company that has been bold and gone out and paid some serious money. That's what another reason I like this CEO, by the way, he paid two billion plus dollars almost immediately a few years ago when he got into Europe with iZiddle. With Z- that was really important. They just did another acquisition recently that they were catching all kinds of flack about, and the flack is really interesting to me because they paid $4 billion, and yet it was an Amazon product that now suddenly Amazon's turning their back and saying, now that's a big problem for them. Well, I don't see the security problem. It wasn't there from 2012 until now, so I think this is just sort of a sour grapes thing out of Amazon at this point.
2: Okay, Pete, thank you very much. Street likes it, by the way. The yeah. average target is 129 14 bucks higher than the stock is now. But no more talk. It is time to vote. Are you buying Pete's pitch on PayPal? Tim.
4: Yeah, you know what? I am buying Pete's pitch, and I put that neat little vest he's got on there, too, on this little picture of Pete. Um, I think this honey deal that they also uh, should be part of the discussion is transformational in terms of their relationship with consumers and merchants. So, um, yeah, I like PayPal here. BK.
6: Yeah, for me, you look at what's going on in payments. They're being disrupted. PayPal's right at the center. So you buy the disruptors, you go with Leif Erickson, and you buy PayPal. Wow.
5: Leif. I'm, I'm going to be a clean, clean here. I'm going to buy in Pete's Ponytail Pitch and PayPal. And they've been a consistent grower of earnings and sales back to 2010. Pretty impressive. Wow, I you know and I say yes. It's going to 121. That's the level
7: that Pete Ooh. talked about. That's the July high. He had a huge capitulatory bottom in the yeah, fall on monster volume. It's had a big run. I think it continues to run in uh, earnest.
2: Wow, Pete picked a pack of PayPal pluggers. <laughs> I don't know, Pete. I just
7: came up with that by the way. I don't know if we've ever gone. Have we ever
2: gone four for four? We don't. Yeah, but he's still going to lose. Twitter lose. doesn't yeah. because he's lose. because you don't have a remote. Kings.
7: You understand? Oh, that's how huh? that math works, huh? Thanks. Well, <laughs> Pete and Jerry,
2: we're going <laughs> to leave you with that. Good night. Have a okay, good night in Minneapolis. Have some sausage. All right, come. Thanks, man. The desk has spoken, and now it is your turn. Are you buying not only Pete's pitch on PayPal, but the 4-for-4, four four, something no Mets player will probably do this year. How oh, come Vote on. Vote our Twitter poll. Oh,
8: yeah. oh, oh that's CNBC
2: Fast Money. We're going to receive the, the they roll. know the Later signs. On in the show. coming up. The squirrel. <laughs> Stop. Exclusive comments from Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella. This is a big day for Jim Cramer all day at Microsoft HQ. Been waiting for years to get this interview. You're going to hear from Satya Nadella, Jim's big exclusive.
5: Coming up. Stick around. I think what happens is if you're creating a lot of profit
4: and and creating more problems for planet or people, I think it'll catch up with you. So in some sense, the way I look at it and say is, hey, let's go after the core of what we're doing. It's not about caring about ethereal things. Our shareholders, I I, I am always saying, our shareholders are the ones who are giving us permission to be able to think about whether it is uh, the uh, affordable housing or whether it's the carbon it's our shareholders who care as much about this as anyone else.
2: That was Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella sitting down exclusively with Jim. The company out with big news today. Microsoft laying out a pledge to become carbon negative by 2030. You can catch all Jim's interview coming up at the top of the hour on Mad Money. That
7: is a big one. Guy Adami, Microsoft. Part of that Google trillion dollar club. Yeah,
2: it's
8: you, hit it.
7: And we've talked about this for a while. It's a name you gotta continue to stay with. I mean the last quarter people said, well, Azure's slowing. Yeah, it's slowing, but the growth is still astronomical. And again, this is a company that was floundering Prior to him getting there, now it's flourishing. Report in a couple weeks. I think you stay with it, despite the fact that a lot of people say at
5: 28 times next year's
7: numbers, it's too expensive.
5: Commercial cloud business growing at 36%. It's 35% of the top line. I'm still long. It's going to 185. Going to 185. Grasso's a bull. All right, coming up,
2: we've got a new player in the streaming wars, one that is literally and figuratively close to home. NBC Universal and Comcast looking to shake up the space. We're going to be full details. And don't forget to vote in our Twitter poll. Are you buying Pete's Fast Pitch on PayPal? All four of the traders, they bought in. What about you? We're going to reveal the results coming up the end of the show.
10: I am looking good.
2: All right, welcome back to Fast Money. We are getting new details on Comcast's upcoming streaming service called Peacock. Let's get right out to Julia Borston in L.A. with the big day for all of us in the NBC Universal family. Julia.
0: That's right. Of course, NBC Universal is CNBC's parent company and NBC Universal's Peacock unveiling its three options. There will be a free tier, which will have a maximum of five minutes of ads per hour, 7,500 hours of programming. This includes select Peacock originals and next day access to current seasons of some shows. There's also a service called Peacock Premium that will include 15,000 hours of content and some ads. It'll cost $5 for anyone who wants to sign up or it will be free to the 24 million Comcast and Cox customers now for ad free access to that same content those cable customers can pay five dollars a month or ten dollars a month for people without the pay tv bundle now peacock premium will be available on april 15th to comcast xfinity x1 video and their flex broadband subscribers then on July 15th, Peacock Premium and Free will be available to everyone nationwide. NBC Universal forecasts that Peacock will reach between 30 million and 35 million active accounts by 2024. NBC Universal announcing a range of new licensed series for Peacock, including Law and & Order and Two and a Half Men, also unveiling a multi-year partnership with Kevin Hart, and new original series, including one from Tina Fey. Peacock Premium subscribers will get early access to late-night talk shows, and all Peacock customers will see live Olympics coverage and breaking news, and Peacock will have exclusive streaming rights to new Universal films, the ones hitting theaters this year. The company says launch sponsors all are already bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars in initial advertising revenue and Brian I'm sure we will learn more as the service launches back over to you
2: I'm sure that we will and we look forward to it Julia Borston thank you very much so Tim Seymour let's talk Peacock obviously in the streaming wars you got Apple in there now you got Netflix in there now but listen NBC Universal I'm not saying this as an employee of NBC Universal has a lot of unique content.
4: Yeah, I think a formidable, uh, certainly, player in this mix. And, and ultimately, uh, one of the things that we've been deciding over the last 18 months is how the cord cutting and the bundle then comes back together with not just one player and probably a couple. So uh, I think Comcast is in a position to compete here uh, dramatically, and I think it's ultimately going to compete on price. Um, so that's a case where uh, I think you have to look at the whole space. I think right now the most important stock to look at is Disney. They have earnings coming up. We've gotten some numbers out of Disney+. Plus. Um, there's been a very, very strong kind of sense that they are – Immediately taking market share from Netflix. Uh, this is, uh, you yeah, know, we're about two weeks away from these numbers. Uh, I, I want to see where we are.
2: Yeah, and uh, Comcast, by the way, up 30% the past year and is the only stock that I am allowed to own as an individual.
5: You're psyched. I, I say thank you
2: to, to <laughs> the quality ESOP program that we have here at NBC Universal. All right, let's stick down with the streaming space. Netflix reporting results next week. Stock has seen a recent run higher, but it's still negative over the last year. So the question is this. How are traders positioning themselves ahead of the tape? Let's get out to Mike Cohen in San Francisco with the options action.
11: Yeah, so it's kind of interesting as we take a look at the options right now. It's implying a move of about 7.6% when they report next week. That's well below the eight quarter average of about 9%. And as we were just pointing out, when we also take a look at the activity, We are seeing some bullish activity, which I think is surprising, given what we've seen in Disney and now the release of Peacock. Weekly 340 calls that expire a week from tomorrow were the most active of next week's options. Those were trading for about $12.20. So buyers of those calls are betting that the stock's going to be above 352.20 by the end of next week. And as you were just pointing out, as we take a look at the stock price, it still has not regained the highs that it saw last May. But what is interesting to me is that historically when we talked about earnings in Netflix, it was always about growth multiples. But now we can actually begin to start looking at earnings multiples. It's still very heady, but it's trading maybe sixty times earnings. There's actually a number you can get your arm around if we think about it that way. One place that we've also seen valuations go down is actually in the options as well. Right now, options premia are essentially as low as they've been going into earnings. This chart shows about 50, but in fact, they're down below 40. That's only happened twice in the last 10 years. That was in 2014 and in 2019. Both times, earnings actually disappointed complacent options investors, seeing declines of 20 and 10% respectively.
2: All right, Mike Coe on Netflix. Mike, thank you very much. Netflix, guys. I mean, it's been a stock, challenged. it hasn't made anybody any money in the last year.
6: Ch- challenged, and that, now the competition literally, literally is real. and figuratively challenged. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there's competition now. We just talked about multiple players, both Disney and Comcast, are coming at everything this company's about, and it's gone sideways. So, I, I think
5: you stay away Great from product, it. Great product, though. Great product. I love the product. I, I'm a consumer of the product, mm-hmm. but the last couple of years are never going to be as good as the next couple of years. I own Apple. I'm thinking about actually buying Disney up at these levels. I I think you to start to see or continue to see the multiple expansion in Disney, and that's shocking. Because they're the only players; investors. they don't
2: have another business. They don't have the bankroll that Amazon and Apple and mm-hmm. NBC has. We've got a big parent company providing huge amounts of cash flow every month.
7: Goldman Sachs just put them on their conviction buy list. Not that that means anything, but they slapped a four hundred and fifty dollar price tag target on it. And you know what? In the earnings, if that reacceleration of international growth continues, I think it trades up to 385. That's the level that it failed at back in April.
4: Remember when this company, though, we thought they had pricing power that was not ever going to go away. And they raised up to 1599. Yep. And, and, and look, you look at where the Disney Plus offering is, you look at where the, comp- the competition is, and it's yeah. hard to feel that this isn't a place where margins go down at a time they're trying to get profitable. Oh. And they're not.
2: Okay. No bulls here. Let's talk about uh, after the break. Options action, by the way, every show tomorrow night, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. we got a great show for you tomorrow night. Up next, we got final trades and a little bit of breaking news, too. We're back after this.
9: Right.
2: Welcome back. A little breaking news on the Federal Reserve. President Trump apparently will nominate Judy Shelton to serve on the Fed Board of Governors. It's coming from the White House. Judy Shelton and Christopher Waller to the board of the Federal Reserve. That's all we've got right now. I'm sure we'll have more coming up tomorrow on CBC. All right, time now to go around the horn and your final trades. We've got one minute, Tim Seymour. Yeah, we
4: got to give it up for the Patriots, of course, and I mean the Jackson Prep Patriots. The Jackson Prep. There they are. Uh, and Constellation Brands, which continues to show that they're evolving with a beverage business that is evolving for them, STZ Jackson Patriots. There you go, PKs.
6: You know the best time to buy insurance? When it's cheap. And the VIX is at 12, the cheapest it's been in a long time. SPY puts you by them to protect your
5: portfolio. Okay. Steve. Spirit Airlines, save is the ticker symbol. I've been long since the mid-30s. I think this one goes to probably $50. Stay long, save.
7: Like, Spirit. You know, I'm going to stay with the airlines as well. Is that wow. okay?
5: I wonder how Pedro did in the power pitch. Hope he did well.
7: We'll look at the poll later. Maybe in the... Uh G block of the show. Web <laughs> extra. Which is on the digital network. But I think JetBlue in the earnings Brian Sullivan is interesting.
2: Thank you very much. I am interesting. Thank you, Guy domi That's it for the <laughs> show for this evening. A big mad money with Jim Kramer and Microsoft.
3: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you.